2: Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Don, thank you for coming today.
1: Yeah, no um, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, me too, man. I, I've uh, I met you briefly with a, friend, a mutual friend, and ever since then, I've wanted to hear your story because yeah, um, I'm just going to start off by saying you run Homes for Heroes yes, here in town, and please take it away, man. Tell us about yourself.
1: Okay, uh, well, uh, my, my name is Don uh, Don McLeod, and uh, I'm a, a retired member of the military of 30 years. Uh, when I joined the military, when I was 17 in 1982. Wow. And I initially started with the uh, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did my first basically nine years with them. And then uh, I realized I was, I was looking at 35-year-old infantry soldiers walking down the road, hobbling, and their knees looked like they were going <laughs> to pop. I went, oh, yeah. I can't do this. And I was still in my 20s. So yeah. I remustered, which was basically I, I asked if I could try a different trade, mm-hmm. qualified for the military police. And then from that, I went into the military police in 1990, to 91 and then I retired in 2012 okay so I was all over the world I went uh, I did some tours in uh, Cyprus in 88 and then in Afghanistan in 2009-10 mm-hmm. and then I retired in 2012 and then I, th- I thought I'd give a kick at the you know do that whole oil field stuff and mm-hmm. I went up north and where I met my wife and uh, did that for four years till apparently Making $1.6 billion a day for the company I worked for wasn't enough, so they laid me off, and I was part of that whole 2016 layoff. So. Yeah. And from there, I thought, well, I've got to do something with my life. I always wanted to work with veterans in some capacity or another, so I went back to school. It uh, was 51 or 52 and, and took addictions and community services and started working in the uh, social services field by uh working with the boys and girls club for a while cool and then uh i did my practicum with the um mustard seed working at street level trying to you know Mm -hmm. interacting with the public working were you at their
2: street level shelter downtown
1: uh yeah downtown yeah Yeah, at the main building so i was working at what's called street level and just Mm -hmm. basically interacting with the uh, the homeless population were coming for help throughout the day and um I just had this desire like to continue working with the idea of working with veterans. So uh, it was uh, after my practicum, I ended up going working more of a full-time basis with the uh, Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned very quickly that I, I was not geared towards uh, working with kids, yeah. nothing against kids. I just didn't have the ability to be. A positive role model because I, I I was never very good at the whole mm-hmm. there there it'll be okay I was yeah. more like yeah you're you're really screwing this up so yeah um, and then the an opportunity arose when uh, the Homes for Heroes Foundation which is established here a gentleman named Mr Dave Howard he started this idea of building mini homes for uh, veterans mm-hmm. to house this veterans community that are homeless and uh, he started the process and then. 2019 uh, they they started building the pro the, the, the actual facility over in uh forest lawn area mm-hmm. a 15 unit facility and then they were looking for somebody who was uh had to be a, a serving me- or excuse me a retired member of the military yeah and uh i was contacted by the muscle seat asking if i'd be interested in, in pursuing that opportunity and then i went down for the interview and cool i've been there ever since till august of last year or so mm-hmm. And then the facility opened up November first. I've been running the program since then. So right on. Yeah. That's my pretty much my story. Yeah, yeah. that's the story in a nutshell.
2: Yeah. So I mean, 30, 30 years in the military, serving Canada. Thank you for that. Yeah, by the you're way, welcome. Like it's uh, it is a big deal. And I mean, we were sitting outside before Darcy got here, and, and you were telling stories, and I, I get like chills. Hey, like when you're saying, I'm standing on the wall with with the the with the uh, Afghani police and yeah. i'm like oh my god i can get chills because i mean standing on that wall must be hard
1: man well it, it, you know it's funny uh now i volunteered to go to afghanistan in 2008 mm-hmm. I, I i said hey there's an opportunity for a guy to go i'll take it so they they offered it to me and i went off to edmonton i trained in edmonton for i think it was seven months for the deployment in 2009. Mm-hmm. so we went over with the i went over with with uh, the contingent we called it 0309 so it was the uh that, that roto was 0309, so mm-hmm. we went over with the, my old battalion, actually 3rd Battalion, PPCLI. Uh, and I went over as a military police officer with a uh, what's called a, a police officers mentor liaison team. So we, mm-hmm. were, we were our role was to patrol with the Afghan National Police, teach them skills about how to uh, do community policing in, a, in these outlying communities. Mm-hmm. Simple things like, you know, like, and I'll tell you it's some funny stories, and I, I apologize that they are kind of dark humor, but mm-hmm. uh, our role was to teach them our policing principles from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the Afghan National Police are a, uh, a civilian organization, but you have to remember that they're also very... The whole country's very militant. It's like, mm-hmm. they have they have their own army, they have their own policing services, they have the National Policing Service. Yeah. So all of them have some level of uh military training.
2: understanding or yeah something. so yeah. that
1: they have, so like they're not going to go in and do a lot of holding hands and kumbaya mm. stuff they're going to go in and start <laughs> raising the village because somebody yeah. you know shot a chicken so uh it's pretty it's it's pretty it's insane so but anyway we went over there for that purpose so in, in october 2009 we deployed to afghanistan with the ppcli i was telling the story outside um so I would have been uh, at the time I was 40 I would have been 45 44 45 mm-hmm. that age so and I and I've seen a lot of military stuff and seen a lot of, so this is this is an actual war zone mm-hmm. like uh, the other action I was at was a uh, a United Nations so it was UN peacekeeping this is an actual war zone mm-hmm. so there was bombs and missiles and there's a possibility of being shot at mm-hmm. or blown up so that's something we were always very aware of <clears throat> but the the, the the crew that I was with the, the, the PBCLI were, were some of the best professional soldiers mm-hmm. you ever meet and also we had uh, the military police that were there were just a phenomenal group of people so we were only on the ground for basically uh, eight days and we actually had our first first death as a result of an mm-hmm. IED and it killed one of our young officers mm-hmm. and uh he he died so that was very sobering like yeah because i remember having a conversation before that happened with a young fella and, uh, and i apologize like a curse with uh, oh, that's okay. um, we we're having this conversation with this young fella he's a young corporal we're sitting in this we were in a place called the dan which is basically a, a, a compound and inside the compound was a, a village um i guess you call it like a rec center uh, they, they, the village leader would come and have meetings and stuff with all the different types of the mullahs and the different village elders. And then we had, so we were set up there with our tentage, and then we had an Afghan National Police detachment there as well. So it was a fairly large compound, and we had to defend it all the time. So this young soldier comes up to me he says, uh, I think it was our fifth day there, and this young soldier walks up and says, oh, man, Warren, this is going to be so goddamn boring. I was like, and I'm thinking, I'm good. You know, I don't need to get yeah. blown up. <laughs> And he's like, uh, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. This is yeah. going to be so. That's going to be like a shitty tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he was talking, all of a sudden there was a huge explosion outside of our gate. And what happened was, uh, and, and when and it's funny like people when you see the TV and the news, people all these guys running around. You don't run to explosions. Yeah. You actually you, you actually move with purpose. So we're mm-hmm. we're gathering up our gear. We have no idea what's going on. So we're grabbing our gear, grabbing our weapons. And we're moving towards the front gate because that's where the explosion came mm-hmm. from. And what happened was there was a blind corner about maybe 150 meters from the front gate of the the van, which is all secure compound, and it's a blind corner. And right on that blind corner, uh, the Taliban had dug in a uh, IED. And uh, what happened was uh, a farmer had gone out that morning to go start working on his his field, and he had has an old tractor. There's another young fellow with him, and he was on a bicycle. And he took that blind corner, he hit the uh, trip. Uh, pressure plate, and he blew himself up, which so was actually set up for us to mm. get blown up. And uh, I remember looking at the young corporal, and I said, don't you ever fucking say anything to me again about you know, having any action. Yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good now, Warren, I'm good. Yeah. So, yeah, so then two days after that, wow. we had another IED strike, and we had a young, uh, and, the, and two Afghanis were killed, in that one, uh, mm. that the, the, were killed by the IED. And then two days later, we had, uh, uh, or three days later, we had our first officer was killed. So it was very sobering oh man, that's um, heavy and you realize that yeah this is not this is not a video game this is actual real yeah. this is real life so uh i remember sitting outside my my tent uh on the compound and a young officer walked by me he goes how are you doing Warren? And i said well, uh, mumbling he goes are you all right And i said no nah, i'm just i'm, not, I'm getting a little stressed and he goes what are you stressed about And said i don't know getting killed and he said these magic words to me maybe <laughs> and it just took everything away real quick and he says well when you're dead you're dead and i said like, that makes so much sense when you mm-hmm. think like that. Like, you can't worry about it happening. Yeah. Do whatever you can to pre- prevent it from happening. Protect yeah. the people you're with. But if, you, if you're if you dead, you're dead. Yeah. And, and you, know, you just pray that, uh, you know, you did the, all the right things to make mm-hmm. sure no died as a result of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of stuff, it, it, it sort of stuck with you. Um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, it, lots of things. That, like, um, you really appreciate Canada yeah. for the things that you have but then you really appreciate the other cultures as well because it is an amazing culture. Like mm-hmm. the Afghan culture is pretty, pretty interesting. But, uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm glad I'm not, I don't live in Afghanistan mm-hmm. on a full-time basis. Yeah. Uh,
2: I could really tell when we were talking outside about the, or something popped into my head anyway, I'm not suggesting that this was a, um, a big thing for you over there, but it's, it seemed like as you were talking about the relationship building, between yourself and the Afghan police oh absolutely and and yeah. and how you had to carry the Canadian morals and stuff with you
1: yeah so it's funny people always think about like we talk about PTSD right? mm-hmm. and uh, so <clears throat> people see you know like uh, death and and uh, yeah. and we've seen a lot of death over there and uh and both on our sides and their sides as well so when you lose a soldier it's all very sobering you know mm-hmm. it brings you back to reality but then you, and you see uh Civilians being killed, and you see uh, the devastation after a, a rocket attack. Mm-hmm. The thing was that you know, and, and you hear about people getting this PTSD of seeing all this stuff. But there's a, there's another thing that was really um, something people don't really talk about very much. But there was a morality uh, issue that mm-hmm. a lot of people had. Um, there's, and I I, I, I don't want to say uh, try not to say the Afghan people. There's mm-hmm. just there's sects of them who were doing things that moral in my moral mind was inappropriate yeah. and uh and like when i mentioned to you outside if you were walking downtown in calgary and you saw a man slap a child mm-hmm. you would react to it in a way that was to protect that child even though it's not your child you yep. have to do whatever you can to protect yeah. that child or a man striking a woman you wouldn't think twice and getting in front of that man and saying what are you doing yeah that's just that's the way we are we're all built that way yeah but in afghanistan we we were we were basically told that we cannot interfere with their culture, which, mm-hmm. in essence, is true. We really can't. We yeah. can't. We're we're, we're not going over there to tell them that their faith is wrong. We're not going to tell yeah. their way they, they treat their women is inappropriate or the children. That's that. It's, that those are our morals. Mm-hmm. So we so people would see a lot of things over there, and while it's not in their mind, it's not um, maybe it's not uh, sex trafficking with children, mm-hmm. but they would use children, especially. Um, there's a couple couple names that were used, like Man Love Thursday, where mm. uh, man-boy love Thursday, where the young boys would be taken by adult males. Mm. And we knew what they were doing, but we couldn't do anything to stop it. Yeah. And we, but, we, but I was quite lucky, because I worked for a gentleman named uh, Colonel Shersha, who was a, uh, he was a colonel with the Afghan National Police, and he worked at the Dan District as well. Whoa. And uh, he, because I was his mentor, uh, one of his mentors, I should say, um, I would always express my concern about these things. And he mm-hmm. was very blunt. And if he would say to you, if I ever found anybody who would do something like that to a child, I will shoot him in the face. you would actually think, yeah, he will shoot him in the face. Mm-hmm. You, you wouldn't think twice that this man would actually, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure he'd walk out with a pistol and put it in one of his people's face and, and, and shoot him. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have any compulsion to, not to do so. So I felt that that was a bit of a relief as well. Mm-hmm. But, it was, but, their, but their policing services, was, it was just completely... It was. It's not like here. Yeah. Like when you when a police officer does his job here, like uh, he goes to a call, he exchanges. You know, he interacts. Mm-hmm. He exchanges. He 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 tries to solve a problem if he can. Now, if yeah. he can't do it, he has to bring somebody else in. So he he's mm-hmm. there the entire time. Someone else takes it away from him. In Afghanistan, it's not quite like that. I'm sure they have uh, detectives, but they were never involved in our what we were mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. They were more of a. Uh, they were more of a. Um, we were trying to teach them community policing, but mm-hmm. they were more of a shock troop type scenario. Yeah. They walk in. And I, funny, we were, I remember we were on this place. Uh, one of our primary roles we went to was this place called Menar, and while we were there, um, the police would, uh, like, we would have briefings with them. We talked to, them, mm-hmm. okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go for a foot patrol. We're going to interact with the people. We're going to mm-hmm. talk to them, let them know we're there to be their friends. You have to do the same thing. Yep, 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 yep. No problem. So off we go. So we were, we were walking in this village, and uh, the police here don't, don't just walk into your home. They don't, yeah. you know, just don't open your door and walk in. They actually will go and, uh, you know, knock on your door. Yeah. And, you know, the community policing service. Hey, my name is Don. I'm here. Mm-hmm. To, you know, any problems? I heard there was a complaint last night. No, in Afghanistan they don't. They don't do that. They just walk in somebody's house. <laughs> So we were walking to this village and we had a patrol of Afghan National Police and they were walking through the village and uh, often I see one of the pl- two police officers walk off to the right. They're going towards the house so I'm sort of paying attention. All of a sudden this police officer walks in and he's got an armload of, of bread, NAN bread, which is their their popular bread they make over there. Mm. He's got an armload of bread and says, what are you doing? He says, oh no, they gave it to me. He said, you can't take their bread. And he, was, he just walked in and grabbed the food right off the table, walked out and was just, you know, sharing <laughs> with you. the other Afghan cops. I yeah. was like, what are you doing? So like, oh, they said we should eat. So of course they're going to eat. We walked in their house with a rifle. They're not going to say no to you. <laughs> oh, no. And this is all done through an interpreter. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're, oh no, they, they want us to have their food. No, oh, trust yeah. me, they don't want you to have your food. Yeah. You have your own food. You don't need yeah. to take their food. Oh, no, it's very polite to take their food. They want us to have their food, we take their food. Wow. So, is it, is, so it's really hard to mm-hmm. like, you have to break that whole but you're the police you have to yeah. be good to them you can't go and just take whatever you want said oh no we don't do that mm-hmm. you know here you know, but they, they were doing it all the time so uh, there was this uh, we had a few really good guys that we we've got relationships going with and we had this one gentleman who had uh, he was an afghan cop and his name was Hollywood cuz he always wore these mirrored sunglasses and he was a, he's probably a young fellow probably about 24 25 years old and he was so proud of himself cuz he's learning all this stuff from the canadians mm-hmm. so this is all after the fact, but uh, I get called to the gate one day. I said, warrant, we need you at the front gate. There's like a guy up there complaining that he got beat up by an AMP, an Afghan National Police officer." I said, okay, so I walk out there and they direct this taxi driver, a taxi and a driver, into the compound, and I said, "You know, to interpret what happened." And he says, "I get beat up by an Afghan National Police officer. He AMP beat, beat me up." I said, "Oh," and, and the side window of his car is smashed out, and he's got some dents in his door, like somebody booted it. And I was like, okay. And I said, so what happened? He says, I don't know. He just started beating me up and uh, he hitting me and punching me and hitting me and then he let me go. As he's talking to me, in comes Hollywood in the back of a truck. He's in this, And they always had these big green police trucks and <laughs> there's Hollywood hanging on the back of this truck. So he sees me and, and like, and we had a, a really good report with the AMP a- 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 and it was, it was fun. And he saw me, he's all proud of himself. And he, and he sees this taxi driver as soon as I seen Hollywood this taxi driver, I went, ah, oh, here I go. So that, mm-hmm. Hollywood's involved in something. So Holly come, he comes, he jumps out of the back of the truck, comes up, and stands with tension. This time Colonel Shersha is coming up. And I think, oh, God, you know, he's going to shoot this guy in the face now. <laughs> Shit. So, um, but Colonel Shersha comes up, and I said, oh, well, I'm just going to find out what happened. He says, oh, good. So my interpreter, I say, do you know this guy, Hollywood? And he goes, oh, yes, yes, yes. He insulted me. He said, he insulted you. I said, yes, he insulted me. He said, I guess there's a, like, if it's like us, giving the finger over there. Mm. If you give somebody the elbow, like it's it's an insulting thing to them. Okay, so they, don't, they don't like that. So, Hollywood was on a checkpoint, and this taxi driver drove up to the checkpoint, and Hollywood said, "I guess he said, give me your ID." And the taxi driver said, "No, I'm not giving you my ID." And Hollywood said, "Give me your ID." And they had the window half rolled down, and the guy said, "No." And I guess he gave him the elbow. Well, Hollywood took the butt of his rifle, smashed out the side window dragged that guy up and pounded him mm-hmm. just pound him on the side of the road and then i guess the guy gave him his id card at that and point that, eh? yeah at that point yeah <laughs> and then uh he now he looked his id card throws it back to him see it in your car and you can leave mm-hmm. so how do you how do you find the good in that mm-hmm. so i had to find the good in that and i'm thinking oh my god here we go so i said well i am so proud of you hollywood well done because typically he would have butt strokes him so bad, he probably would have been in a hospital. Yeah. So I'm so I thank you very much for not doing, you know, doing what you did. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, he's all proud of himself. He did great shit. Colonel Shershaw is just excited because mm-hmm. like, wow, my guy did a good job. And then I had to say something like, however, in future, maybe open the door, have him come out of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then have a conversation with them. I, I, I appreciate that that he insults you. I understand that, but you, mm-hmm. you got to be very careful about beating people up on the side of the road. And he's yeah. like, Oh yeah, okay, good work, well, good work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, better one, more, yeah. good. So yeah, yeah perfect. <laughs> so you always have to find, but but like it was just it was just the way it worked over mm-hmm. there. It was like, uh, and we had amazing interpreters, and they and they actually interpret everything I said mm-hmm. verbatim. They never changed the text of it, never changed the, yeah. They were really good about interpreting stuff. But like I, I was telling you the story outside about uh, like and the and the Dan police officers they, they there's three three um, I'm sure there's more but there's only three that I'm aware of there's the Pashtun mm. the Dari and the uh, Kuchi Kuchi are the uh, they are the uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the, the Gypsies of of Afghanistan they are all over they're goats and they travel all over Afghanistan yeah. so they're frowned upon by the, the Pashtun and the Dari. The Pashtun are typically the, the, the not all of them obviously there's but there's sects mm. of them that are there were the Taliban the students the Dari were typically all your police officers like these guys anytime you had a police officer he would always be, there was no, I never met a Pashtun police officer mm. they were always Dari police officers so and the Pashtun and Dari they get along okay but uh, there's there's different strengths of beliefs in the Muslim faith over there like yeah. they all they're all mm-hmm. Muslim but. Uh, some are more extremes than the other, which yeah, Taliban. So I was on, a, and the one thing they told people we went over was, please don't talk about uh, your faith. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I was, I'm a Christian, so I went to Afghanistan as a Christian. They told me before I went there, listen, don't go over there and start talking about Christianity to these guys. They yeah. don't need to hear it. You don't need to talk about it. They're Muslims. They're happy being Muslims. Don't try to do anything. So I'm, <laughs> trust me, I'm not going to be doing anything other than looking at my left and looking at my right. you know, yeah. That's all I'm going to be doing. So I'm on the wall, and the, so even though I, I was in charge of the uh, the, debt, the MPs that were there. I was still I still did do same duties they did when I'm patrols mm-hmm. with them. We also had to do security uh, on the wall. So we're on a wall, facing um, the road leading away from our, our compound. I'm on the wall with this Dari police officer, great guy. who's like maybe about five 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 six, not really huge, but nice fellow. So I'm standing there with my C8, and he's standing there with his. Uh, ak-47 and it's nice and quiet so we're just looking looking around see if you can see any movement and stuff and then he looks at me and goes and he called me pedawan because i was pretty big back then i was about 340 pounds so i was a big monster for a guy and they said uh he called me pedawan which means wrestler i guess in their in their culture and i, and I said yeah he goes christian i went oh yeah so like, here we go i'm gonna get shot in the face now by naked <laughs> oh no it's, it's be perfect yeah and i went uh yeah, yeah yeah christian he says ah yes 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 ah christian Isa, was like yeah, yeah, Isa, yeah, we're good, Isa. Mm-hmm. says no, no, Isa, yeah, yeah, Isa. He says no, and, he, and he's, he's got his cell phone with him, and he, he's doing something, on the cell phone and he goes Jesus. So that was the first time I actually understood that. Uh, I mean, I never read the Quran, I never mm-hmm. looked at much, I never took the time to look, learn about it. Yeah, and that was the first time I learned that Jesus was actually one of the uh, prophets in the in the Quran. Mm-hmm. He was he was referred to as a beautiful prophet. The difference being is that after him it was Muhammad. Yeah. So I, I was fascinated. We had a great conversation. He had broken English, and I had no Afghani whatsoever, other than mm. like you know, As-salamu alaykum. That was pretty much all I had, and uh, we had a wonderful conversation. But he was—he's was all proud of himself, like he, yeah, I, you know, I—we have something in common. He's like, mm. yeah, that's awesome. I, and it's quite interesting because
2: you're—you're—you're you're absolutely right. There's so much in common. Oh, absolutely yeah. between Christianity I mean, and the Muslim Islam, faith, right? There's
1: yeah, like, there's a, there's a it, parallel.
2: I didn't even realize this until this past week. I learned that the Quran is based on. Or takes, takes some of the Old Testament, I believe, yes, right? Pretty a much big, all the Old Testament, yeah. Pretty much the whole Old Testament and then moves forward from yeah, Jesus, right? From, yeah, with,
1: with Muhammad, yeah, yeah. The, their last prophet. So it was actually really interesting. For me, it was like—and I mean, I'm not I'm not a big—my uh, I'm, 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 my background is Baptist, so mm-hmm. I, I was raised Baptist, and uh, I had my faith, my belief, but I would never push them on anybody. And I've never mm-hmm. experienced that when I was in Afghanistan. So yeah, I just—it's like I remember having conversations with people later on saying— uh, you must really hate the Muslims. Like, no, man, I got nothing against the Muslims. Yeah. It's just, there's just there's extremists in the Christian faith, just as there's extremists yeah. in the Baptist faith or Muslim faith. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I've never had a problem with it. I, I think there there there's a it, there's a beautiful culture over in Afghanistan, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. we we're, weren't in a position to see it. Yeah. We saw a lot of the, the the death and destruction as a result of what mm. was going on over there. Uh, but yeah, it was it was like. I I would say that for me, um, it was something I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at that time i served in the military for 20, that was 28 years Yeah, uh, or 20, yeah, 26 years. I believe it was 26 years. 2012, 27 years I'd been in the military at that time and it was a war zone. And I yeah. thought, well, the military spent all this money on me to train me to do something. I mean, mm-hmm. as well go do something with it. So, yeah. so it was important for me. And, uh, if somebody asked me, would you go back? Say, like, no fucking way! Would I ever yeah. go back? No, it's, it's insanity over there. But no
2: doubt. How how hard was it though? Like speaking of that Canadian morality that we we carry mm. with us wherever yeah. we go. Like, how hard was that to acclimatize? That to yeah, be, you know, to I don't, just I don't, turn your head.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think you actually ever acclimatized to it. I don't think you. Uh, I mean, there's there's things that like, thankfully, there's a lot of things I never saw. I, yeah. I, I saw the after effects. That we, we 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 told that. Uh, um, the Children or young girls, ch- young children, uh, young female children, have a very low um, value to a family. Yeah. Uh, so it was very common practice that uh, that some of these children be pushed in front of traffic uh, and be hit by cars, and then payouts would be made to them. Uh, mm-hmm. It probably happened more to the Americans than to the Canadians, but we weren't we weren't immune to it as well. Or we'd have... Uh, oh, so
2: they'd push them out in front of your guys' military cars. Oh, absolutely. Vehicles, yeah, I yeah, got you. Okay. Yeah. So then, then yeah. there
1: would be compensation to the family. So yeah. money would be paid out to the family. Yeah. Um, thankfully, it didn't happen. I mean, I never saw it happen. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, we've heard about it. We were all be always warned about yeah. it. So whenever we see people walking along the road, we'd always clear steer clear of them. Yeah. There's a couple of other reasons. Like, obviously, somebody walking on the side of the road, we have to be worried about them having an IED belt or something yeah. like that on them. But uh, So we're always conscious of the fact that children on the roads... Um, um, there's was uh, there was there's so much uh, death. Uh, that we, mm-hmm. Like I, one of the things that I was responsible for was uh, helping the assisting in the investigation of deaths over in Afghanistan, which they would bring Afghan national police would bring them to us. We yeah. actually had a detachment of the National Investigative Service that were doing responsible for all that as well. Mm-hmm. But in the Dan district, we would actually have the AMP bring dead bodies. Mm-hmm to the district and they come grab me and say, come on, figure out how this guy died. So and this is where it goes back to that black humor where we, uh, I get pulled out of my tent. They uh, warrant me yet. The, the A&P have got a body in the back of the truck, so I go over there and I, I walk up and they have a, sh- a body covered with a shroud on top of it and I say, okay, what's going on? And they pull the shroud off and there's a decapitated body that no head on them, no hands. Mm. And they look at me and say, how did he die? I'm looking at him like, how did he die? Fucking head. You know, figure that one out yourself. Like, mm-hmm. but then we actually have to do, like we we I break him down. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well let's look at this body. So, th- what it was is a uh, there was a, they were killing the Taliban were killing some of the uh, Afghanis who were working with uh, the Allied forces. Mm-hmm. Whether they be they were either working directly for them or they're being paid to go and do work on the roads and stuff. So yeah, anytime you're being paid by the Allied forces, um, they they were. Killing people, so they take them in the field, shoot them in the head, and then they would, uh, you know, they 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 probably watch too much CSI. They cut off their hands and <laughs> their head, and they figure they never figure who they are. <laughs> Every yeah. citizen in I Afghanistan, uh, adult citizen in Afghanistan, carries an ID card on them. They all yeah. have an ID card. Oh, okay. The Afghan government made them do that. So, and uh, so what happened was um, this this man who's in the back of the truck, he was he was uh, rigged already set in, so who's no hands on him. And his head was missing. So I, I explained to him how it worked. Uh, so I showed him. That he had been stabbed in the chest a bunch of times. Mm. And, uh, and uh, they said, how did he die? And I said, well, chances are he was probably decapitated first because there was, the stab wounds on his chest, there's no, there's very little bit of blood. Oh, okay. So I explained to that he'd probably been shot in the head. Decapitated hand, and they stabbed mm. him in the chest, make it look like they had killed him with a knife. Mm. And they're all excited because they took that information I gave to him they put it on their... Write it down in Afghanistan, yeah. they ran it down to the Kandahar City to the coroner's office. And then one of the police officers walked in and says, I've determined that this gentleman died as a result of a gunshot wound to the head, and he'd been decapitated yeah. and stabbed him in the chest to make it look like something else. And they were like, Oh, then they write that report down. Yeah. So they're all excited, right? They're yeah. learning all these new skills. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my lord. But what I do remember one of the boys they brought in once is a, it was a female. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they come and got me and said, Okay, warrant, we need you to help us with this. Okay, so I go back out. And uh, same idea, she was, she was mm-hmm. in a shroud. So I said, all right. So I, I was gonna move the shroud back, and all of a sudden they're all like, they're all freaking out because it's a woman. You can't see a woman on. Uh, she always mm-hmm. had to be veil covered yeah. and stuff. That was her faith. I said, well, boys, I don't know how you want me to do this. Like uh, through an interpreter, like I, I will help you, but I have to make the determination how she died. I can't do that unless I can look. So they had the great discussion. So uh, you know, I, I was, so I could never see the face. I can, but I could see like the the entry hole in the back of the head and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said. So anyway, I explained to them how she died. She'd been executed, execution shot style, behind the ear. But the entire time, I had two guys covering her face so that I couldn't see her face, but I could see where the entry wound was, mm. and I don't know if there was an exit wound or not. And uh, I try to explain to them the different calibers and stuff. So it was interesting. But it was, but the, even in death, they, they really respected their own culture, their mm. own values of their culture. So it was, it was for me, it was like a real eye opener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: think I think that's incredible, right? Like the and like again, like. The fact that, the fact that that, uh, that Canadian people, men and women, can can stay there, right, and be a part of that, oh, yeah. even though even though you know a lot of what's going on, maybe around you, yeah. is is completely against what we stand for here. Oh, absolutely, right,
1: yeah. like, yeah, like the like you know, I, I think you. Uh, a lot of people that came back from Afghanistan. Like, there's PTSD, obviously. There's depression. There's different things that happened. But, uh, but I don't think we really touched on the whole. No. Work. Could could that worldview shift contribute to PTSD though? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I, I, would I think, think that. Hey? I'm I, I'm sure that the morality the, the the morality issue that was taking place over there. Really, I mean, not everybody saw combat. Like, mm. I never, I know, I was never involved. In what's called time in combat, where mm. we're being shot at, or shooting. Like, but we we were always under the. Uh, gonna get blown up every time mm-hmm. we went down a road there's always that possibility yeah. so that strain of always worrying about the, yeah. the next corner the next it always hits you but um there's guys who were there's soldiers who've been in, in combat all the time uh and and they probably never had any ptsd as a result of that but some of the stuff that they saw mm-hmm. that they couldn't change yeah and, and it sounds so like uh for us like we we think about like a dog for example mm-hmm. we we, we love our pets we love our animals we yeah. cats dogs we never think of them anything other than family their family mm-hmm. but over there dogs cats they're just all they are is, if the dog's not working doing his job you know protecting sheep then it's just a waste of the time so either they'll they boot it they'll shoot it they'll run it over they yeah. don't care same with cats cats are only there to get rid of rats mm-hmm. um, people don't have family pets they there's no such yeah. thing as family pets so when you see him, I, I, I do remember this one event where we, I wouldn't say we, inter- well, we did interfere. There's a man dragging a dog down a road, and he had a, the, the dog had a, uh, a little white dog. can't remember what kind of dog it was, but it wasn't a big one. But anyway, this man had a big, long wire. It's like a leash, but it was a very hard piece of wire. And he had yeah. this wire wrapped around this dog's neck. He's dragging it down the road. And I, I got involved after that because a couple of my soldiers just lost their, lost their minds when yeah. they saw this. And they just could not stand the idea of this dog being abused. So they just spit boot note there and took this man's dog from him. was like, you know, I wrapped wrap the wire, grab the dog, like you. And they walked this dog mm-hmm. back in. And they would have, and chances are, I think they were get to that point well into our tour that they're getting so frustrated about seeing the stuff yeah. they can't do anything. So yeah. if they could stop one thing from happening, yeah, they would. And they did. Yeah, And, and we wore it like we, and tell me interact and stuff like that, we, mm. there would be an impact because that person, i always complained, we just stole his dog. And then uh, he would take it to his his village leaders, the village leaders bring it to our leaders, and then mm. also we had this great discussion. And typically, we weren't allowed to go, we weren't supposed to have camp dogs. Like, yeah. We had camp dogs. But, uh, Every
2: documentary I've ever seen about over there, yeah. there's camp dogs everywhere. Always camp dogs. <laughs> yeah. We
1: actually had the, we had two camp dogs in ours. One was named Killer, which is a little. Mm. Jack Russell Terrier type dog, like a little smaller than Jack Russell. And then we had this other dog named Brutus, and he was a kangar dog, which mm. is a great big monster dog. They use him for pit fighting over in Afghanistan, and make oh. money off them. Yeah. This dog was just a monster, but he was genteel. Like well, I wouldn't say he was gentle. He was just he's just he he, he followed us where we went on patrol, so we always enjoyed having a dog with us because mm-hmm. they would chase off other dogs and Brutus would. And uh, and, uh morality issue. So Mm -hmm. um, our camp was really good. We had great cooks. They looked after us and they would feed the dogs uh, any food that's getting off. They would feed Mm -hmm. to the dogs. Like So I remember he had these three or four pounds of bologna and Brutus was trying to eat slices of bologna. So I remember walking out and seeing him. So I bent down. He's standing off and I was flipping him bologna off this big pile of bologna. He wasn't paying much attention. And anyway, one of the guys uh, yelled my name. Hey, Warren McLeod, And I turned around, and said, "Yeah, what's going on?" And I wasn't flipping fast enough. And, I, and Brutus, well, and he grabbed my hand, and he started scissoring. So, like, he didn't grab my hand. slate like, he was tearing, my, trying to tear my oh, arm off. Yeah. So he's scissoring my hand back before chewing through my meat. And I'm 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 a right-handed shooter, so my pistol was on my right side. So, instant reaction was, you know, I, I was going to shoot him in the head if I had the opportunity to do yeah. so. But I couldn't. And all of a sudden I got guys running at him with rifles and I was like, No, and I'm screaming, For the love of God, don't shoot him, don't shoot. Him. It's my fault, my fault, my fault. Yeah. Finally he lets go, and just as casual as it could be he goes over and grabs his baloney and walks away. Like yeah. so I, my hands all chewed up. I got holes in it everywhere. Oh, wow. And then the camp RSM, a great guy, he says, We're gonna go we're gonna shoot him. I so, said, you know, For the love of God, don't do anything to that dog. He did nothing. It was my fault. Mm-hmm. And it, it truly was my fault. I wasn't paying attention and uh yeah. And I know this dog could eat me, and I wasn't thinking anything. And mm-hmm. this dog grabbed my hand. So um, we had guys who who would just ignore the whole shoot rule when it came to, to wild dogs. We, yeah. we just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah, even when my hands being chewed up, I, I couldn't bring myself to allow yeah. them to, to kill this dog. Um, he ended up being he ended up dying uh, about three months later. Uh, he had to be taken down because of uh, he attacked somebody but it was mm-hmm. it was just a brutal attack so he ended up being shot yeah but um but it was those dogs in the camp mm-hmm. was such a stress reliever for the guys like you know they weren't dogs you could pet. They would yeah. wake up next to you you know cuddling them yeah just seeing a dog walking by it was just amazing even seeing mm-hmm. cats yeah it was just so cool like you know, but these cats are all feral and yeah you never see anybody scratching one but uh, just having them there was it made mm-hmm. it had that little feeling of home yeah but when you, but yeah, the morality thing was always—it was always there. We always saw stuff we didn't like. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do much about and the little things we could do, like we, there was a couple of soldiers who uh, uh, hypothetically tuned up a guy in, a, in mm-hmm. an alley yep. in Kenner City because he was beating up a woman. Yeah, and I, I can't say it actually happened because I mm-hmm. don't know. But you only hear stories. I right? only hear stories. That's the yeah. story I heard. Yeah. Yep. So a couple of the soldiers tuned up this guy because mm-hmm. he was beating up a woman, and uh, mm-hmm. but it just—it just. It just it's hard for people to allow stuff to happen. So, yeah. um, and, and when you're under orders not to engage, then it's, you really have to look at the big, mm-hmm. you know, what do we do now? Yeah. So, and sometimes you had uh, excellent leaders who basically said, I will always have your back no matter mm-hmm. what happens. And then something happened and then you move forward. Like if you see, and again, going back to what I said about Colonel Shersha, Shersha mm-hmm. was a, he was an amazing man. And I told him when we had discussions about the whole uh, children and stuff, he was very adamant to the fact he would never allow anything like that ever happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very thankful for that. So yeah,
2: yeah, that's yeah, and, and that just speaks to a lot of the stuff that we don't think about, right? No, like, of we would not. never yeah. think about it, yeah. like because we would think, well, you're Canadian, you're there, you're probably going to do what Canadians would do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. As opposed to having to stop when you see that kind of stuff happening. Yeah. Um, do you so now? Fast forwarding to homes for heroes, Mm -hmm. have you have you encountered people who've been like have done tours of duty? First of all, and and does that do they have um, any of the folks that are staying with you? Like, do they exhibit obvious difficulty from their time serving, or Um,
1: yeah? So so I do have a couple gentlemen there who did some overseas tours. Mm -hmm. Um, One gentleman actually was when we first opened the village up in November first of last year, two thousand nineteen. Um, of course, I, I was throwing myself into everything. I was, I, I mm-hmm. was, with every one of the. At the time, we had 13, 12 people living at the village, and so I, of course it's November 11th is coming up. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get everybody engaged because uh, you know, trying to get that whole that whole village community thing going. Mm-hmm. I remember going to one of my clients. Uh, he was just slightly older than myself at the time. And uh, I said, okay, so I got it arranged that we're going to go down to the, this particular Legion for a Remembrance Day. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going. So for me, that was really hard for me to hear because like, mm-hmm. I'm a very strong supporter of, even if I was in the military, I, yeah. I was a very strong supporter of, veteran, uh, of Remembrance Day. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, I'm not, certainly not going to force you. She goes, no, no, I think you should understand why. So um, he, was, he served in the military for eight years and he was, in a, he was on a peacekeeping mission in Syria. And uh, Gol, sorry, Golan Heights, uh, which is, separates Israel and all the mm. other states. Yeah. And while he was there, he was uh, actually in a bivouac area with uh, other Canadians. And it was November uh, 8th, I believe he said it was, that uh, a young soldier, a, a young military police soldier, uh, military police officer, sorry, had taken his own life. Mm. But he, but he basically didn't do it right in front of him. But he did it with. The, the, the my client's rifle he took his rifle and shot himself oh jeez. so for him uh because of the, the association of the november 11th it was mm-hmm. just too close to november 8th and it really had an impact on him so yeah did he have does he have residuals from that absolutely yeah another another uh, resident he served overseas with the american forces and he saw a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and he, he struggles with it as well um, there, PTSD is one of those things where it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a tour. It's, mm-hmm. it's something at home and it comes back to like morality and, or, yeah. uh, um, I, I, how do I put this without sound like some, I'm, I'm certainly not hardcore when any stretch. I, I'm just as easy going as I've always been, but I've, I'm a strong supporter of the idea that, uh, for a military a person, in the military has to be broken down mm-hmm. to be built back up. So, um, there's no such thing as an individual. your you work is a unit, so mm-hmm. how do you get there? So you have to break a person down. Unfortunately, um, how it was done back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, I'm sure before that as well, would be frowned upon today. Mm-hmm. It's like how we, you, you beat a man down so bad that, uh, that he finally you break him. Mm-hmm. And then when you broke him, then you, you start building him back up. Yeah. And you build him back up as in a in team. I'm not sure how it works in the uh, training syllabuses now, but uh, I'm sure it's not the same as it was when I was It must be different, yeah. It, I would say so Yeah, because of, of our social standards now, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I guess in some ways it's not a bad thing. But the one thing I was always aware of when I was serving was that when I was told to do something, I didn't stop and think about it. I just mm-hmm. did it because that's what, that's what required yeah. of me. And when I told somebody to do something, I didn't expect them to stop and to debate it with me. I expected yeah. them to go do their job because that was an order, and that's what mm. they did. And I think that's what a soldier has to be. Yes. Mm. I mean, so. But there's, that, there's also that moral compass where I say, okay, well, i want you to go into that house and kill everybody in that house, and then come back and tell me who was there. You know, yeah. the, that's when I would say, well, hang on, man, I, I, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I, you know, maybe there are innocent people there. I don't care if they're innocent; just go kill everybody. So there's that moral compass. Mm-hmm. It comes into effect. But if the um, man's being shot at, I would like to think that the people I was training with are not going to, I'm not going to turn around and say, holy Christ, and then I'll see them running in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. They're going to be coming against the wall, and we're all going to get up together. Yeah. And that's what, that's what truly being a soldier is all about, mm-hmm. uh, protecting each other and, and moving forward. And uh, if infantry model was to close with and destroy the enemy, um, there is no morality to that. There's mm-hmm. just, you're trying to survive. Yeah. So... Um,
2: so many contradictions hey
1: eh? it is yeah it's it's, like, it's a really it's you know it's funny uh we actually i was just talking to somebody about this a couple weeks ago and i'm saying he I, I says well, you know a soldier doesn't question his, super, his, his superiors and they say and think about the second world war think mm-hmm. about the time when we were actually uh first world war we we're fighting from trenches yeah and you're in a trench I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a little footage, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. I mean, and I, mm-hmm. I, I serve in the modern, modern military, and you're in a trench, and there's a man standing there with a pistol in one hand mm-hmm. and a whistle in the other one, and when he blows the whistle, you're going to run up these ladders, and you're going to run across no man's land into machine gun fire. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, you, and you stop and think about that for a second. You're going to get out of a trench, you're going to run over a wall and run into the opposing forces, yeah. machine gun fire. And the idea is to get the gain ground. So if we live, that's awesome. We gain some ground. And then you dig in and then whew, we're going to do that again in a couple of days yeah. once we get that whole next trench set up. Well, you think with that. Now, a man has to say to himself, 99.9% chance I'm going to die. Yeah. But I'm not going to say no. I'm going to do it because I'm going to make sure the guy on my left mm-hmm. the guy on my right, they're going to be doing the same thing. We're all yeah. going to run together. And we're all going to fire a rifle at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to get like leap 100 meters and then we're gonna hit the ground and hopefully we all make it yeah and and we lost so many Canadians yeah then you jump to the second World War same idea you're're you're, mm-hmm. now you're in a dug-in defensive position uh, think of our Korea like Korea mm-hmm. we, 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 we our Canadians are famous in Korea we were dug in on a hill we had thousands of Chinese running up a hill and we're up in, the, in basically holes shooting down range mm-hmm. It, an opposing force is it's like ten times more than what we were. Yeah. And why would we do that? Because the guy on my left and the guy on my right, were doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and we're all trying to defend each other. Yeah. So, how do you get to there? Uh, you know, your moral compass is out the window mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you're going to do whatever you do to survive. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh, modern military is like very few. You'll never see trench warfare anymore. Yeah. In defensive positions, you you, you would bombard the defensive position yeah. so bad that you're basically going in and mopping up so or you're, you're in a vehicle and you're jumping out of the vehicle after it's been raising you know rounds down range and you're yeah. it, not, not too much of this you know one-on-one armed combat mm-hmm. stuff it's like it's all range shooting and it's yeah. all fighting so yeah that so.
2: must play a role too though right like the oh yeah the the different the w- different ways of engaging with each other oh absolutely because i mean i, I heard this uh this author talking about watching the rockets leave a ship and then everybody turns away thinking they're gone yeah forgetting that they land somewhere that's right right and he was he was saying this because obviously he was there with some service people afterwards who were negatively affected by the outcomes of those rockets even though they never saw it, it was, oh, yeah. right yeah. I, I, so I can imagine like there's this constant brain going saying yeah. what, what are you doing what are you doing yeah, you shouldn't be doing this, or you should be doing that, or yeah, and unreal. And it's not surprising um, that when folks come back, there's issues. Right? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, um,
1: it's it's and it's funny. We I when we finished our tour in Afghanistan, we went to Cyprus, Nicosia, Cyprus. They call it decompression. So basically, it's like five days. All of us want to go home. We just want to go back home. Yeah, we, we we're going to find our own some, some sanity when we get back home. Yeah, and but we have to do this decompression for five days. So. Like we're, uh, it's basically an opportunity for us to go and then relax. So you know, we don't have to worry about a gun. We don't have mm-hmm. to worry about being shot at. You know, we're going to go. Like, we we can go on a go kart racetrack. It's pretty cool. We go charter fishing. Mm-hmm. We could. Uh, I think there's a couple of tours. And I remember being on this go kart racetrack. It was pretty cool. Go like these go karts mm-hmm. pretty switched on. They're fast little monsters, and <laughs> all we're trying to do is kill each other on this racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> really like, ripping around this racetrack like yeah. sixty seven kilometers an hour. And we're, like, and these rules. Like, don't hit each other and they have this remote control they turn everything off yeah and we were ripping on these things and they say, I can just try and take a guy off the road and they like, oh, you! Yeah, we'll get you back yeah yeah or but then seven being,
2: months of being like stuck yeah. with oh, each yeah. other yeah. hey yeah, yeah. We're,
1: gonna, we're gonna murder each other' it was hilarious <laughs> but uh, yeah it was there was, was it was yeah so this decompression that was supposed to get us like transition us back into some sense of the reality mm-hmm. but the uh, reality is that uh, it's a really long time. I, I, for the when I first got back from Afghanistan, I, we I think I had two weeks off, and I was I was posted in Halifax, so I was being I was being, um, depl- or excuse me, I was being posted out of Halifax to Manitoba, mm-hmm. so I had uh, basically a month and a half before that all happened. So my two weeks vacation, like leave, and then I was uh, to um, start the process to be posted. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first day I went back to work, and I was on a I was a little XL two fifty motorcycle. I was just going down the road just going to work and i don't know what it was to this day i could not tell you what it was on the side of the road but i was there was i caught a flash of yellow to the side of my a quarter of my eye and what we always look for the big thing over um, homemade explosives were always mm-hmm. made over in afghanistan and they usually use these big yellow uh cooking uh cooking oil jugs yeah that fill them up with hme and then they they bury on the side of the road. Sometimes the wind would blow off some of the dirt, but these things were all with debt cord or yeah. some some explosive device. And I remember going to work, and I was I, I was living in Dartmouth side, and I was going to work one morning, and uh, I think my first day back to work, and on the corner of my eye I saw this flash of yellow, and I pro- all it probably was was a small like garbage uh, like a dishwashing soap mm. container, but yeah. it was just yellow, and that's all I saw in the corner of my eye, and I shot across three lanes of traffic going wow. the off op- like literally like in a straight line yeah. in front of other cars cars are screeching the brakes hitting the brakes wow. I'm just sh- I couldn't even stop myself yeah and I and I literally ripped across the road and I was on the a set of panic hit me I was just like oh and I was like holy Jesus and I'm thinking oh man looking behind me I'm like don't stop now man just, <laughs> I almost caused yeah. half <laughs> dozen people that people are gonna kill me now oh, hit shit. that bridge and I was gone yeah but that Jesus. But it, it made me, and I kept thinking I don't know where that came from yeah and uh, so yeah, it happens. I, um, um, some people have it really, really bad. Mm. It really impacts their life on a day to day. Um, to this day, I still can't sit in my car and put a seatbelt on until I'm moving. Yeah, I, and I just can't get myself. I can't get my. I, I cannot stop myself from not doing it. I just. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna put. myself so, no, I'm gonna start driving, and, yeah. then, and as soon as I'm moving, I can put the seatbelt on. I'm comfortable. But because typically when you, when you start, if you're, if you're in a patrol vehicle and on, once you're in the dand and you're, like, you're ready to go, you're in a safe zone. You're mm-hmm. getting out. And once you, once you pull, uh, like you stop your first patrol, you get out of your vehicle and you stop and you do a 5s and 20s, What's it called. Like, so you step, look out five feet from the vehicle and 20 feet from the vehicle and mm-hmm. you're looking for anything that looks out of the ordinary. So like if you see a raised bit of ground, that's a possible, you know, somebody dug in an IED there. Yeah. So you're always visually looking. And when you're getting ready to move, you jump back in your vehicle and then you wait till the vehicle starts moving and you slap on your seatbelt. Because yeah. if you get blown up in the first five seconds, you, know, you, you want to be able to scramble the hell out of there. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was been, it's been, to this wow. day, I still can't do it. I, yeah. I, I have, I, my, I was in Afghanistan 10 years ago Yeah. and it just, my mind will not let me. I mean, there's days when I just do it, it's, it just happens, but yeah. I'm like, Ooh, look at me, I, I'm better. Yay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's guys who have, have some severe mm. PTSD, and unfortunately, those are the ones that we're losing. Yeah. Uh, the military is doing their best, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Veterans Affairs is doing their thing, but when some guy just has, has had enough, he can't yeah. uh, like can't sleep. Um, he's 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 sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Like he's you know he sees bad dreams, uh, sounds, smells. Like when you think about it, like the, you you could walk into a place where, um, like a bread shop, for example, mm-hmm. and, you, and you smell um, fresh baked bread, and it brings you back to when you were a kid and you yeah. went to your grandmother's house. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Um, but some guys, like uh, I had a really hard time. Like there was, a, I, we went by a place that were dead bodies and they uh, they'd been burned, and uh, smelled like barbecue. <sighs> and it and it sounds weird but like no. the, the human flesh it's just it's 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 like like burnt meat it's you know? meat it's just yeah. meat yeah. and uh it took me a long time to get you know past that yeah but not so much like flash back to dead bodies and, and see it just smell sense mm-hmm. it would kick back a moment like holy crap oh yeah i'm good yeah you no know, yeah it's a beef burger i'm fine so yeah but yeah. so like if
2: you smell barbecue like does that trigger that kind no, of no
1: yeah, i think it was more like the, the smell of burnt meat yeah like if somebody burned a, a, did his bad steak and you yeah it has that overpowering smell of, and yeah that would be the one thing i remember most mm-hmm. but uh I mean, like i guess at the end of the day um i, I try to i try to find the the funny moments mm-hmm. in afghanistan uh things that made me laugh when i think back on it like oh my god mm-hmm. Like, but there's and there and there's unfortunately there's far more bad stories than good stories, but the good stories yeah. are always funny. Like uh, uh, NGOs were a big thing over, in, like the, the, these government agencies would pop over to help. Yeah. And uh, I was towards the end of my tour, I was taken from the Dan. I moved into what's called the, the uh, PRT, which was a uh, it basically was in Kandahar City, and it was one of the focal points of the uh, the Canadians were working out of this mm-hmm. place with quick reaction forces and, and helping the community. And uh, I was living in a sea container at that time, about a month and a half before the end of my tour. And uh, Kandahar City got attacked one night by Afghani, uh, the uh, the Taliban. So, like, like, we we could hear the explosions. We Mm -hmm. know what's going on. So we, like I said, we don't run. You always walk with, you know, with purpose. So I was walking, grabbed my rifle, grabbed my pistol. I was going to go to a location that's already been predetermined. i was supposed to go to. As I was walking, this woman's standing there and she's looking at the sky and she sees explosions and they're lighting up the sky. And mm-hmm. she's, oh my God, it's so pretty. I said, I beg your pardon? I said, oh, <laughs> that's so pretty. I said, what? She said, like, is that like fireworks? I went, no, no, it's not fireworks. No, the, 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 the jail in Canada City is being attacked. Yeah. And she, as serious as she could, she looks, she said, oh my God, are we in danger here? And I'm looking at her saying, lady, you're in Afghanistan, for Christ's yeah. sake. Of course you're in danger. What yeah. are you thinking? Yeah, and I think the shock of the realization finally kicked in. Is like, oh my God, yeah, I could, I could possibly be killed here. Yeah, I think how stupid can you be? Like, yeah. this is not like the Club Med. You're, you're, this is people are being killed every yeah. single day here in this country, and you're worried. Like, you're, are you in danger? Yeah, you, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. So
2: that's un- that's amazing how the human brain can do that though. I oh know. yeah. Because guess, she might have
1: legitimately oh, just she, realized it. Yeah, hey? yeah, like all she said wow. that was like, oh, look, this, this, this is a beautiful, what a wonderful thing to watch. Yeah. Lady, this is, this is horrible. We're all going to die. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, it, it, it really, but then there's really funny moments like, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, lurch. There's this great big, um, the very, the Afghan people are very small people. Mm-hmm. They weren't, not huge. And uh, just before I left the, the Dan and went into the PRT, there's Lurch, and Lurch was probably about six foot three. Great mm-hmm. big Afghan national police officers, huge. Chris is a wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. Always happy, always friendly. Um, for some reason, one day he decided, he said, you want me to come with him to go down the road, and then we're going to check a, check a checkpoint. And I have no idea to this day why I did this. I said, mm-hmm. oh, okay, let's do that. So I jump in the back of this truck, and I'm thinking, as I'm in the truck, I'm thinking, how stupid am I? Because typically Canadians don't do that. We don't, you know, running off of the Afghans yeah. for fun. Yeah. So I'm there with my rifle I'm in the back of this truck, and thinking, "Sweet Jesus, you know, I, I, I'm going to get murdered by the mm. Afghan police." But we went down the road, checked this checkpoint, they came back, and I was like, "Thanks, man, that was awesome." Well, <laughs> how stupid am I? Yeah. Even my boss said to me, "What are you doing?" So I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. It's it lurks... like you don't think about it until you're two. Yeah, absolutely. Two seconds into it, I'm "Oh yeah. man, I'm so stupid for doing this. Why am I doing this?" You know, and, we're, and we're, we're on a hard-packed road, like it's, it's a paved road, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh my god," because like, all these guys would have said, "Let's go to the city," type things, mm-hmm. like. No, we're not going to the city. I don't want to get died or kidnapped or beaten up yeah. or shot. So anyway, um, they brought me back. And Lurch, was, and he told me at the time, with my interpreter, he said, uh, he said he's going to look after you to make sure you're safe. I said, yeah, great, yeah. So he's a great big guy. Everybody, and all the guys loved him. He's a great fellow. Anyway, when I went to PRT, um, Lurch, as well as, uh, I think it was, three other Afghan police officers were running down to a meat market to go get meat into in Kandahar City. Same route that we were on that day. I think it was about a week later, or maybe it was a little bit longer. So I wasn't actually there. I was actually at the PRT. But I got notified what happened. And what happened was he went down, the same location we went to, mm. um, but he the, they hit an ambush. So they were basically mm. Taliban were on both sides of the road when they were driving up their green truck. Yeah. They, they attacked all police officers. They didn't care. And they attacked them. They, they hit them with um, AK, shot them all um and so lurch apparently i i am not really sure if he was the driver of the vehicle or he was in the back of the vehicle but anyway the driver tried to do an evasive move where he, he hit the brakes and tried to back the truck back up the road but he backed into the ditch and the Taliban came up and killed everybody mm-hmm. but uh what i remember about that was that the the afghan or excuse me the canadian contingent of the military police as well or, or the dan military police as well as the uh, ppc alignment were there or, no, they weren't there anymore. Anyway, the Canadians that were there at the time um, had a ceremony on mm-hmm. behalf of uh, Lurch. So we really tried our best to um, be part of their community, mm-hmm. and, they, and they, in turn, I think they respected that. We actually, we they, they, they used to cook us meals and stuff, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, tea every day from yeah. their, the ditch water. Like we, we, yeah. like, we were just all praying we weren't going to die from dysentery th- or, or something. Yeah. Yeah, but we we thought we'd do this favor back to him one day, and we gave him a Canadian classic. We made uh, this great big huge pot of craft dinner, oh. and and I swear these people they, they had big bowls and they all walked away thinking like this and they're all going oh my god this is horrible and <laughs> throwing in the ditches and trying to hope that you know that nobody can see them because yeah it's, they they thought it was horrible stuff yeah. and why wouldn't they it's, it's, it's all it's nothing natural it's, yeah. just it's all processed, processed cheese processed yeah. cheese and they're like yeah. we're all excited because like we're all ex- <laughs> we're all eating craft dinner these great big yeah. like, we got like a crate but we're all Eating craft dinner like it's going out of style. Oh my god, mm-hmm. this is amazing! And they're like, "Oh, thank you so much for the craft dinner." And they're walking with these big bulls. Is like, "Yeah, okay, let's go, let's go eat a goat." And <laughs> just, just, it's in shock. It's like, "Yeah, oh my god,
2: it's just different things."
1: Eh? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's like the day we they had. Oh, they have Eid. I believe it's three times a year, and we just one of their Eids fell out. We were all there, and I, the guy said, "Hey, Warren, what do you want to do?" I said, "Well, oh, let's let's buy him a goat." Mm-hmm. You know, as, as the goat, they can you know butcher the goat up, and they can. Uh, and they'll, they'll uh, have a big Eid supper. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I, I contacted uh, one of our translators. He gave him $150 American, and he ran out and bought him a goat. Mm-hmm. So we had this big thing. We walked up the goat, and I was all proud of myself, like walking with this goat, and this great big old goat walked up. And I and with all the Canadians, they were like, hey, you know, we just want to celebrate your Eid with you, mm-hmm. so we, we offer you this gift of the goat. And the Afghan police were like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Thank you so much. And I was like, I'm all proud of myself, and they took the goat and walked over and slit his throat and started butchering. He's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it says, "What are you? What are you doing?" He's yeah. like, we, "We we weren't we weren't prepared. We were yeah. not prepared for that particular thing. It's like oh, you know, they're like it was just as natural as it could be. Like yeah. this is our yeah. ego. We're going to eat this goat. So this started butchering right in front. I was like, "Oh my god!" The goat's part it, like I, I was thinking, "Oh, it's a beautiful little billy goat." be like, "Oh, happy goat, slaughtered yeah. goat." It was, <laughs> it was crazy. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it's funny, it, it, like things like that. I think was mm-hmm. what made us. Uh, made it all work like because yeah. some of our guys like they, they, we were i mean we were all stressed but some of our guys seemed mm-hmm. were involved in ticks and some of the guys uh were involved in battles so yeah just the little things that you could find that could give you a, a, mm-hmm. like just well and the humanity you find with each other right
2: like absolutely
1: the, yeah yeah and, then, and we had rules over there and i'm sure if anybody in the military ever heard these podcasts that would be like yeah, but you know the truth. Yeah, The truth was that we weren't, well, the, the reality is we weren't allowed to have any kind of relationships over there. So, yeah. like, there were, when we were, I served with males and females there. Mm-hmm. And um, there's an awful lot of happy people that were, you know, like, it's amazing how you find people over there busy. Yeah. But you know what? I think they needed that. I think mm-hmm. that, now, the military frowned upon that, obviously, because it it, mm-hmm. it, it would create a... It's better than shooting smack or something there you like go that, yeah right? if you want to get a little lucky on the side i yeah. guess that's the way it was but
2: because uh... i mean i'm assuming sir, i assume this but i shouldn't but because we were having a conversation earlier and and obviously the um some of the not all and of course every time we've said something about afghani people or muslims or christians we're not talking about all of them we're talking no, no, about no, 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 the yeah. extremists, extremists. The, yeah absolutely you know um but we had talked about the sex with children there. yeah right and that so, like, when we're talking about, like, Canadians and Americans doing stuff, I'm assuming it's with
1: adults. The ones that I mean, you I'm, knew I'm, I'm about. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm yeah. Sorry, yeah, uh, yeah. I apologize. I'm no, about, I'm just making talking, sure. I'm talking about soldiers with soldiers. Like yeah. Female soldiers with male soldiers. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of uh, rendezvous, rendezvous inside yeah. of uh, uh, sea camps. Yeah. You know. I have to go check to see if there's any supplies in that seat can. I'll come with you and give you a hand. So off to go, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and, I, I, and, and we and we have. I, actually, it was funny. I, I was uh, at a reunion, uh, military police reunion, uh, six seven months ago, and two of the people I was on tour with are right? actually married now. So oh wow, yeah, and they and, they, and they actually made a joke about that. You, but you guys didn't do anything in Afghanistan. Nope, nothing ever happened. Until we got it's home.
2: You know, we just wait <laughs> till we get home. That's fantastic. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. yeah cuz while we were talking outside I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast but we were about um it's kind of like very ancient greek type thing where yeah, so the kids are molded into this stuff yeah there.
1: there's a and i so one thing we were told was that when you see young boys typically always boys mm. they have a pomegranate stain on their hands now typically those stains represent the uh they they're They call it man-boy-love Thursdays um, Mm. where the, like, traditionally, I I shouldn't say traditionally. Yeah. it's And for me to say it's absolutely, definitely have to be inappropriate. But Mm. I'm going to say We were told that on every Thursday there was these man-love-boy events where these young boys would be taken away and uh, there would be um, dancing, uh, these young boys are being trained to be dancers, and from mm. that um, apparently the uh, there was acts of sex against these young yeah. boys now but f- for me to say for absolutely definitively mm. I, I never investigated, it. I never yeah. saw it therefore, but uh we were well aware of what was happening mm-hmm. advised about it so see that 's the stuff that people again we don 't think about here well we don 't think about it here, but we but we but 're seeing it here though. yeah like when we like just recently we had the uh, twenty six yeah. people were arrested for child child yeah and um and we're and we like our morality that we have right Mm -hmm. now we're we're aghast we're disgusted with it you know like and uh you know people are traumatized by it they're Mm -hmm. fearful of their children you know like people we respect and love and revere find out that they're you know like uh, they're involved in and and child sex predators and stuff Mm -hmm. it's terrifying um I'd like to think that the Afghan people themselves would think the same thing. Yeah, but, uh, you're probably right, though. Yeah. I bet you. I'm sure that they, yeah. yeah the, the more, but you're also like we're not talking about it. We're like uh, once upon a time, uh, Kabul used to be one of like the, the mm-hmm. it was the greatest one of the greater cities of, of Afghanistan. It was uh, it had some of the best communications in the world. Mm-hmm. It was like it was it was renowned for its uh, transit system and its communications. Um, so it was it was well established as being like a leader in the industries. Mm-hmm. And now it's just you know the donkeys pulling cars and yeah. uh, type things. Wow. So it's really it's really regressed. Or at least it was when I was there. And uh, there was you know the American forces they had uh, bases everywhere, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and there was a, a constant struggle. Yeah, um, like the Taliban were trying to take back Kandahar City. That was the that was a centerpiece of their whole operation. Mm-hmm. That's where they, they that's where they started from. And they're trying to back, take back Canada City, so it was yeah. a battle all the time there as well. So it was, it was really interesting that way. But I'm, I, would, I would like to think in a civilized culture that uh, um, that culture would want to protect children yeah. at all costs. Which, is like I say, like in this culture we have right now in Calgary, for example, they would never allow a man or an or a woman mm-hmm. to strike a child. Um, yeah. We would never allow a man to beat a woman yeah. and not do something even if it meant our own peril yeah we as Canadians would jump up and do something about it yeah um, it's just that's, that's who we are we don't think about it any yeah. other way we would just we would interfere yeah so I think the biggest thing when that if in Afghanistan if a lot of the people are involved in stuff they saw stuff they couldn't do anything yeah. about they were that moral dilemma and it probably carried back with them yeah uh, and, and something that they'll they're probably struggling with to this day they saw stuff <clears throat> I saw stuff that I probably st- struggle with, but I, but mm-hmm. I, I find that uh, I can I can compartmentalize yeah. it and then put it in, put it where it needs to be put. And yeah, stuff. it's like um, picking up a dead body. You mm-hmm. know, when people say uh, dead weight, you know, really mm-hmm. when you pick up a dead body, it's real dead weight. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not like you watch the guy on the TV where he picks a guy up, throws him on his shoulder, and walks over and throws him on a. No, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's like when somebody's hurt, and you can pick them up. You can carry a man one hundred and ten pounds when he, he's actually working with you to do that, yeah. not a problem. Pick up a 110-pound dead body. I'll tell you, it's 110 pounds you're trying to fling around us, it's, yeah. it's, and it's dead weight. Yeah. And that when that term, I remember the first time I, I thought about it afterwards was uh, helping carry bodies and put them into a cooler. And it was two of us, and I'm a big guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember working with this other person. We were picking up bodies out of the back of the lab. Not, they weren't Canadians. They were actually Afghan, uh, the Taliban, but we, we mm-hmm. had to... Stole the bodies. Bodies are bodies. Bodies are bodies. <laughs> and I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah. 110 pounds, 115 pounds. It was. It's just like straining to put mm-hmm. these bodies inside of a cool room. So, it's just something you remember. And you, I mean, you get those words. You yeah. Know, dead um, bo- dead bodies, a dead body. But yeah, it's dead weight. It's dead mm-hmm. weight. I mean, it's, it's weird, but
2: especially when you actually get you get confronted by the where dead
1: weight came from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. That like, dead weight. dead. it's, yeah, it's yeah. a dead body over there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So do you do you find now that you're back and working with other veterans? Do you find that helps you,
1: like sort um, through
2: some of stuff that maybe comes back for you?
1: No, actually, you know it's funny. I, um, so the majority of the, my clients are reservists, and mm-hmm. and, I, and which, nothing against reservists. Uh, mm-hmm. I find the, the the ones that I have working in the village, yeah, um, or, or, excuse me, living at the village. Uh, the majority of them haven't had any uh, time in combat or, mm-hmm. or deployments, um, but. Yet some of them still have uh some have mental illness, mm-hmm. some have nothing wrong with them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the, but remember the village was designed to uh look after homeless people. So yeah. they, they all found themselves homeless somewhere along the one road point. homeless at one point in yeah. the time. And when they came to me they were all homeless. Yeah. Um so um I don't I, don't know, I, I, I really don't spend a lot of time talking about my history with them. Yeah. I think probably this first time I talked about my my tour stuff. Yeah, I was in a very long time, so um, I find that I'm I'm more apt to talk about their stuff. Mm. Um, they want to talk to me about you know um, and, and like uh, we have a I have a British vet, I have a, a an American vet, and then the rest are all Canadians, mm-hmm. and they all have stories to tell. And I think the one thing is that they need a platform to be able to tell it on. So yeah having being able to talk to somebody who's in the military or was served in the military is, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, they feel more comfortable talking about that sort of stuff. The, um, my, my American vet, he, uh, he's not a prideful individual. So he talks about his history because it's something that he, uh, really, he needs to tell stories. He mm-hmm. needs to talk about stuff. He doesn't try to up one anybody. He just, yeah. you know, he, he passed on those stories. Um, Another one like my one of the gentlemen I mentioned to who is in the Golden Heights, he doesn't really talk about the military. Mm-hmm. It was a good time in his life. And then I have another gentleman who who whose whole everything he does in his life is all about how he's his eight years of service. He mm-hmm. loved his service. He and he's one of my more uh, messed up people who's got uh the only thing he has in his life is his service time. Mm-hmm. And he, he misses it and he loved it. Yeah. But uh now he relies on his time in the service to give him a sense of of belonging. Yeah. So it's something that I really work with like uh, with, the, with the vets and, and my role is like as a support worker so mm-hmm. um, and like I have I have uh, practical students come up to the village to, to work there and everybody comes with these flowery ideas like yeah. oh, I, I've learned this new skill I'm going to talk with this is like you know what you're going to do just sit there mm-hmm. and go mm-hmm yes I understand mm-hmm yes yeah. I don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so that's all you gotta do. Is just listen to them because they want to tell a story. Mm-hmm. They want to talk about why they're sad. You don't know, try. Don't try to tell them. You know this is what you gotta do. Just sit there and listen to their story. Mm-hmm. If they want to say to you, um, uh, "I want to stop drinking," okay, great. There's there's your opening monologue, mm-hmm. that you need to work with. You know what? I have a plan that I can help you with. I can mm-hmm. I can work with you if you want to work with me. I can work yeah. with you. But so many people come with these. You know, I've been in school for four years, mm-hmm. and I. I, I am the master of my own I'm, I know everything there is to know about everything and I can help everybody. No problem. I can walk in the door. I can say, you have a problem. I can fix it right now. But the reality is that all they want is somebody to listen to. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and all the social sciences. That's one thing they tell you. Just sit there and listen. Yep. You know, then you're going to learn where they need to go. You're going to mm-hmm. learn what they need. And so um, every one of my clients at the village has a problem. Yeah. Um, some are just minor. Some mm-hmm. and some are major, yeah. but the, for them, the best thing in the world is just to have somebody to sit and talk to. Yeah. And, and I've got guys who are, we've had graduates from the program already. We've had people move out, move okay. into independent living. You know, they're they're dealing with their issues because then now they have the skills they need. Yeah, Th- that I didn't do anything to develop. They actually developed themselves. They actually they know what to do. They mm-hmm. just needed somebody to give them that push in the right direction, or they didn't need to push at all. They just started it on their own, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. And then uh,
2: well, you did you did have a part in that.
1: You have to remember, like you created well, yeah, a space but, for them to be feel yeah, safe. And that's what right? the Homes Heroes did. They created. Yeah. So we, we took them from an environment that was unsafe, gave them a safe mm-hmm. environment to live in. Yeah. And like that Housing First initiative was yeah. a great initiative. It's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then w- our mutual friend was able to yeah. get a job for one of the cli- one of my clients, and yeah. and that gave her a sense of of, of accomplishment. Like she hadn't worked mm-hmm. in years, and it was it wasn't you know she was working in a grocery store. And that made her feel amazing. Yeah. And she's making her own money now because she was working. Uh, she's on uh, Alberta Works at the time. Yeah. so. It really bothered her. She didn't like asking for hands up. She didn't yeah. want anybody to give her something. She wanted to work for it, and she was amazing. She, she, she that sense of accomplishment by finding a simple job mm-hmm. gave her like, wow, my, my, yeah, my, I feel so much better about myself right now. Yeah, she's still working to this day because she's she loves what she does. Right on. Um, another like a couple other guys like they the, finding it, just getting a job. Yeah, and we were quite lucky because we have a relationship with the uh, the, the must seed. Uh, gives me the 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 ability to reach out to different organizations. And I was thankfully able to reach out and, and have a wonderful relationship with the uh, Veterans Association Food Bank, mm-hmm. which is just a wonderful organization who do, just go out of their way to assist in every way they can, yeah. veterans. And they don't care if you serve served um, in the military for a year, five years, 25 mm-hmm. years, 50, it doesn't matter them, their attitude is, you sign the line to serve your country, then you're yeah. a veteran in our eyes, and they'll do whatever they can to help you. Right on. And they've they've employed some of our veterans. Yeah. And then our, some of the other veterans are volunteering up there, like mm-hmm. some who who are in, unable to work, but they still feel a sense of accomplishment by going up yeah. and doing something that they haven't done for years because. When you're scrambling on the street and doing whatever you need to, do to survive, mm-hmm. you're not thinking about the other person. You're thinking about yeah. yourself. Yeah. So for me, the big thing was if I can get them back to a point where they start thinking about somebody else besides themselves, yeah, then I've already accomplished something. Oh yeah. And if I can move them in from that position, move them into independent living, then then my job is done. Yeah. Just gotta give them this the they all have the desire to do it. The majority of them have the desire to do mm-hmm. it, I should say. Is just to, to to get them to reflect on where they were. Yeah. Where they ended up, how they got to where they are, and then where they are today, and how can we move them forward? Mm-hmm. And once you get to that point, it, it all works out really well. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you get the trip falls. That guy says, "Well, you know, I apologize. Well, fuck you. I'm not going to do what you want." I said, "Well, yeah. I'm not. am not. You don't have to do anything for me. Yeah, do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're a hardcore, hard blown, one hundred ten percent alcoholic. Yeah. What do you want to do? Well, I want to keep drinking. Fair enough. Yeah. But there's a guy out there who doesn't want to." drink anymore he wants he wants to have the same thing you've got right now that mm-hmm. you're not willing to do anything for so I'm gonna find something else for you to do yeah or somewhere else for you to live because yeah. you, you don't want to move forward in your life mm-hmm. but there's a, there's again you know I'm, I get phone calls all the time for availability and uh, unfortunately I don't have any yeah and, and every, but every time I once I have a suite opened up I filling it right away because yeah. there's a guy need to go there or a girl that was one of my questions was going to be like, what is the wait list like and it's, how many
2: people are looking to get in here?
1: So, so I don't have a, uh, I don't have a, a traditional wait list because okay. what happens is what I found so far, I've done it before where I put people on a list. And then once we get our available suite coming up, I'll give them a call. I'll say, Hey, listen, mm-hmm. we got a suite. Come-. Oh yeah. No, man. I found, I found a place. Yeah. So, gotcha. um, then, so they go to the next person, same thing. So I find if I, if I can't satisfy somebody right away, mm-hmm. they find something else right away. Yeah. Because um, they're they're in a position to find housing, and they need housing, and they need housing yeah. right then, and I yeah. can't provide it for them. So like, and there's other organizations like Alpha House, has a 15 uh, room facility for veterans as well. Okay, um, they're they're designed as a as a harm reduction facility. Mm-hmm. So those are people coming in with uh, normally with severe uh, addictions, to one degree or another.
2: Is that the one that's near downtown? Yeah, yeah. that's the one okay. downtown. We okay. call it Madison Place. Madison Place. They're yeah,
1: by. and it's a 15. They have 15 suites there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also Calgary Housing as well um, so if we can't and Veterans Affairs is really good as well they, they work with mm-hmm. uh, Canadian, uh, Calgary Housing to find housing for them right on um, so I so I have a lot of different organizations reaching out to me and I always say the same thing it's I don't have anything right now mm-hmm. uh, I'll put your name down but I can't promise you anything because at the end of the day it's uh, they the, 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 I will reach out to them I mm-hmm. have the numbers but there's no prior list of priorities uh, yeah uh, it's basically I can't because I can't even give them a date when I'm going to move something out. Mm-hmm. Like, I have had people leave the program, yeah. which has opened up the suite, and then I and I basically make the calls. Yeah, you're still looking for somebody. Yes. Well, then I won't have to interview them. Um we also with the muster sheet as well. Um, we also have the 1010 building as well. Yeah, and the 1010 uh, has um, um, suites there as well, so we we can house them there as well. Okay. Yeah, So it's not just if you're a veteran, you can only live here. We'll we'll put them in. If they want to live there, it's up to them.
2: Are there certain
1: designated spots at 1010? No, they're just whatever suite's available. If they want to move there, we're more than happy to move them in. The the, the, the 1010 does have, um, there are uh, dry floors, Mm -hmm. uh, no drinking whatsoever, but it's a sober living environment as well. So as long as you're not walking around banging the walls, you would be left alone. you're, 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 You're pretty much good. You can't walk through the doors drunk. Yeah. so in other words if you want to have a glass of wine with your meal at night then you know, it's up to you Yeah. Um, but like I said uh, and, the, and then we also reach out to other organizations like mm-hmm. CUPS and uh, yeah. I, I would say that the, the organizations in Calgary are, are all amazing mm-hmm. uh, they all do such a great job but much like anything non-profits yeah. um, they struggle because it's all about funding yeah. and moments all of it is, it's either a government program mm-hmm. I, I, and I hate to say it like this but you know like COVID Provided a lot of funding for nonprofits mm-hmm. who were able to uh, come up with a uh, uh, isolation ward, mm-hmm. and, and so that was that was a good thing because yeah. that was that was something everyone was dealing with. Like anybody yeah. who had a a, a a facility that had uh, housing, yeah, they 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 were struggling because they had to come up with a, a, this funding model for uh, a isolation ward. Mm-hmm. When the government said we'll, we'll give you X number of dollars to come up with, one. So I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll make that happen. Yeah. So that worked out really well. Um, we were able to hire more staff and, then mm-hmm. and and utilize those facilities and that funding model that was provided. So that was great. Um, but again, I mean, I don't you know, seem like I'm, I'm, I'm being competitive, but every nonprofit yeah. is looking for funding. So it is competitive. So There's no, very question. Competitive. Yeah. Yeah. no question. Absolutely. And, no and question. And I'm very thankful I work for an amazing organization. Like The Mustardies is an amazing organization. Yeah. They do such amazing work. Um, but they struggle just like all the other nonprofits. Yep. It's, it's, of course, it's, they, they, they they have their contributors and they work really hard to make mm-hmm. sure that the people they are serving in the community are looked yeah. after all the time. So yeah, yeah. cool. So they t- when they took on this role with the veterans, I was you know I was pretty excited with that. But it's it's a it's a it's a process. Yeah, I'll tell you. Don, are
2: there any plans to add more housing
1: to this? Yeah. Or? So David Howard, like I mentioned before, yeah, the, he's the director or CEO of the Homes for Heroes project. They're actually opening up a twenty. Unit facility in Edmonton. Oh, sweet! And they and I, I know their 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 goal is to have uh, facilities all across Canada. Yeah, and like uh, Mr. Kenny, the premier just recently, yesterday actually gave them a 1.1 million dollar uh, gift from the province to put mm-hmm. towards the new facility in Edmonton. Um, so every once in a while, he does something right. That's. There you go. It's yeah. good to know, right? Like, I'm not saying anything against Jason
2: Kenney. Jason <laughs> Kenney's my best friend. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. No. There's, but there's like, it's hard, right? It because is. in some yeah. ways, they're taking away from so many so, good things. That's right. Yeah. But it's not like they're not doing some, trying to do something. Yeah.
1: So, I, like, I, I know there's a, there a lot of, uh there's a lot of animosities where Mr. Kenney, mm-hmm. uh, he, he took a lot of money away from uh, the, the nonprofits. He took a lot of money away from the. Uh, the Alberta Health Services. Yeah, from AISH uh, to From AISH, yeah. yeah, and there's an ongoing um, issue with doctors in the provinces yeah. now, leaving hand over fist to get away. Yeah. I, it's it's sad, and I, I'm the worst person for politics because I'm like- Me too. I, I, I really don't know a lot about it. I, I try to keep up with it, but at the same time, one thing I've always noticed is that no matter what party's in charge, they always blame the other party for the first yeah. two years. That's yeah. all they do. They just take the yeah, <laughs> The other party did this to Point, us, they put us in a bad straight. place. Like, like Mr. Trudeau did for, for for the first time. First two years that he was in power. Mm-hmm. First two years all I ever heard about how he blamed everything else on the other party. Yeah. We're still trying to catch up. Now now we are like almost a trillion dollars in debt from just the last since March. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, and it's really wild. But yeah. I love Mr. Trudeau as well, just in case, you know. <laughs> strong supporter of was in church. <laughs> That's
2: Dawn who's saying that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not right, David. Because yeah. yeah. David ain't a supporter of who's yeah. in charge. Actually, so. you know,
1: and I, I wish I could say, I, my, my political views are pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked me what Trudeau do for Canada. I said he legalized marijuana. And they said, well, that's pretty good. I said, not really. All he did was he, he increased the black market for marijuana. Yeah. Because what? why would a person want to go buy from a dispensary, mer, pot from a dispensary, and he can go yeah. to Bob, who's been buying for the last 15 years. Yeah and bobs not worried anymore about getting arrested for having pot so bobs going like yeah. yeah man come over and get your 30 grams ching and yeah. he can actually he can undercut the government costs like he can say and why wouldn't they oh absolutely yeah. so well, all he's effectively done is yeah. created a new black market for marijuana yeah. or or edibles what do you want to make Each, all of it maybe yeah, yeah absolutely so i so and uh, and i have great debates with my my 7 year old uh, daughter she, we we discuss we try i try to discuss politics because uh she she she's very intelligent young lady but she's Mm -hmm. uh her opinions are completely opposite of mine and Mm -hmm. and and after a while i just start shaking my head thinking oh i'm gonna i have to i'm gonna have to go for a walk now (laughs) and you know beat somebody up the neighborhood i guess but yeah (laughs) so it's but but it's just one of the things where um like like like, i mean i know i i I, i'm a firm believer in all lives matter i Mm -hmm. I believe in that but I, i and actually, oh, I'll pass this and you'll, you'll, maybe you'll appreciate this. Um, I was talking about this the other day and uh, a guy looked at me and said, dude, I'm just going to put you like this. Because I agree. He goes, all trees matter. I went, what? He said, all trees matter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all trees matter. He said, but right now, that fir tree has a problem. Mm-hmm. But it matters, right? I said, yeah, the fir tree matters. And, and you agree all trees matter? Yeah. But we have to do something for that tree right now. Yeah, And I went, Oh, yeah, okay, when you put it like that, it makes perfect sense. Exactly. And, I, and I, 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 I totally agree with that. And I, I'm yeah. a firm believer that, uh, that yes, there is a, we have a, I don't think we have a systemic problem, but we do have hmm. a problem of racism. I
2: think our systemic problem is more geared towards our indigenous humans, right? I, the indigenous humans of this land, yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, and I, And I don't know if it's just, I think it's, I think... Uh, somebody asked me the other day about this as well. Everybody always talks to me. I don't know why. It's like, I, I really don't know shit. I could but... see
2: why, man. I sat, we sat down outside there and we just started talking. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know why people talk to me. Like, I don't know. Dick. Safe but space though, dude. Safe space. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, um, 60 scoop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I, when I was taking my training, for, uh, going through, uh, school, college for my, uh, uh, addictions counseling, we had, we had a, uh, elder come in from Sisica. Mm-hmm beautiful people, lovely lady. She came in and she was talking about the 60s scoop. Mm-hmm. So, and I was aware of it. I was born in the 60s so I yeah. understood it. And, um, she was talking about, now she was actually, she didn't actually get taken away from the reserve and, mm-hmm. and taken somewhere else. She was actually taken to the residential school in Sisica So she was brought from her family, pulled uh-huh. into the school and went back yeah. and forth. And the school was run by, I don't know if it was Catholics or one of the, there was a religious, uh, action running the school, mm. I believe, at the time. So there's nuns. And she's telling the story about when she was a young girl and how she would go into school and how she would be uh, uh, strapped uh, as a corporal discipline. Mm-hmm. So, so, so corporal discipline was very common yeah. in the 60s and 70s. It was, yeah. this just the way it was.
2: Oh, even in the 80s and 90s, if you went to a Christian school. Oh, absolutely. Sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. I experienced it. So. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And, it is nice then yeah and I, I can only speak to the 67 because i was in school and that's for when sure I get my ass kicked by teachers, but i also get my ass but i also get my ass kicked by the neighbors too then they go home and take me home to my mother and she's kicked my ass so yeah, when it said so the raise a village you actually used to get beat up by everybody like,
2: i think between like the 50s and 2000 and 1999 there was this really ambiguous how do we punish people yeah i know right yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. it went from like the belt because yeah. i got that my dad gave us the belt like yeah. And I, I don't remember it being like terrible. I remember no. it hurting and, and not yeah. liking it.
1: I remember I remember thinking, I don't want to ever happen again. It, it, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. it's just like so when she was talking about being strapped in school, and I yeah. was thinking, well, I was in Milton school in the Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. I get my ass kicked by the teacher. I was strapped and uh for, for talking class. It wasn't like they say, Don, please be quiet. It's like Don. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah and yeah. You, you learn real quick then you get home and say you tell your mother i get strapped to school today then mom would kick your butt so yeah, yeah you learn real quick to keep your mouth shut in school we would get
2: strapped so much we would put we would learn like we would put books like in our butt like we'd there have little go, yeah. little soft like you know paperbacks you'd open them up and yeah. put them down the back of your thing work and the then, magic yeah, yeah. It, i mean it took a little bit of the edge off that whipping right yeah. like i i think yeah the 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 indigenous history like in terms of colonialism obviously sure yeah. is
1: like um just it's terrible it's it is. terrifying right yeah like, and <laughs> so again back when my daughter we're having this conversation and and she said europeans came to this country and stole the land i went okay and she goes but i wasn't here I did nothing to do with it. So you're, you're, you're angry at me because this mm-hmm. happened. So, th- but this is our history. This is what we did mm-hmm. in 1400 when, when somebody showed up here in 1492. Then Columbus sailed over here. And Then, yeah, colonialism. They all came over here, and uh, and and this is how uh, Canada became what we are today. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it, but but you can't keep blaming me because I'm white. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I I I have no prejudice against anybody. I don't care who yeah. you are if you're a good person i want you to be i want to be friends with you i don't mm-hmm. care if you're white black yellow pink yeah chartreuse. i don't care it doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me um, and uh and i'm sorry now on public broadcasting i'm going to say i'm sorry for my forefathers 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 mm-hmm. who did all the shit they did in their lives but i didn't do anything mm-hmm. i never owned i never owned anybody yeah. i I've never never mistreated anybody of indigenous I've never. I've always been very kind. I try my best to be very kind. Yeah. No, I'm no different for anybody else. I was probably raised doing stupid shit like everybody else did. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that I, I believe that we all can get along if mm-hmm. we all want to get along. Um, I don't when somebody throws a punch at me. I don't think, oh man, that that native kid threw a punch at me or yeah. that black guy. It's like, dude's throwing a punch at me. I don't <laughs> yeah. care who he is. I don't care yeah. what color he is. You know, he's going to get one back. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if he doesn't hit me. But um, I think, I think you, there's a
2: benefit to, um, there's a benefit, it's hard for me to say this out loud after hearing the story about being in Afghanistan, but it's almost like there's a benefit to people who have been outside of our country. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because yeah. when, when we come back here, like we had uh, on Wednesday, we had a, a girl who was born in an orphanage in Cairo,
1: oh, Egypt. Wow.
2: And she was born there to keep from being killed because it was out of wedlock. Oh, so things like yeah, that yeah. that I would yeah. never think about. Yeah, makes sense right? cuz Egyptian. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 um so to think about that we have to get out of our own area to be able to see how far we've come, how far we still have to go, right? Oh, For sure. Yeah. Because the last residential school closed in 1996. That's 24 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not that long ago. No. Nope. Right. And and so there's more we have to do, but we also have to be honest and say well, it's not as bad as it was, Agreed. right? Yeah. And it, we're we're trying to get better, but I mean, still, we have to be able to. In my mind, as a white man in Canada, um, I, I just want to get out of the way because I don't know exactly sure how yeah. how it feels, right? I couldn't. But you know, it's you it, 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 it make a good
1: point though. But uh, like, when so my when Trudeau apologized national television, mm-hmm. I believe it was uh, four years ago. He, and uh, my instructor um, made a comment, you know, did anybody have seen the news last night? Trudeau apologized mm-hmm. to the indigenous population of Canada. And I, I didn't he apologize last year as well? He yeah. Goes, yes, yeah. he did. I said, it's just a curiosity, like, when is that going to stop? Yeah. He was, and he made a point. He says, well, he said, why is it important that he should stop I said Well, we, are we going to apologize for the rest of our lives for the mistakes that our forefathers made, mm. and and for what happened in the '60s and the '50s? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't do anything, mm-hmm. and and what did the government? The government wasn't thinking we're going to 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 beat what is it the, the term they used? Beat the native out of or beat the savage out of the native. Cameron, mm-hmm. I, I apologize for not knowing exactly. No, I'm but saying. those are the terms that so, were used. Yeah yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And they chose to use. Churches to do yep. to look after the, the, the kids that were part of the Sixties Scoop, and and was that a mistake? Absolutely, it was a mistake mm-hmm. because um, we're we're allowing uh, nothing against and this is not a slight against Christianity or any, or any faith, but uh, we're 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 allowing the values of a particular religious mm-hmm. community to be placed upon children, yeah. and uh, th- I think that was wrong. Yeah. So what what should have been done? There was, I don't know, honestly. But there was, but there was good that came out of it. It wasn't all yeah. bad. There was like, uh, and then I mentioned this because uh, one of my clients um, was part of the sixty scoop. Mm. He was taken away from his family uh, and placed into foster care, and he was you know, he was raised uh, through the foster program. And he'll tell you that uh, as a result of that, he 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 grew up. Age seventeen, he uh, his family whom he remembered from when he was a child, were very hard in their addiction. Mm-hmm. It was a very unsafe environment for him to live and grow up in, so he was removed, and he ended up joining the military um, at a young age. He was very proud of his time in the military, and uh, circumstances, like like that's one thing I always try to emphasize to people. Just because a person's homeless doesn't mean he automatically assumed he was a drunk or yep. an alcoholic or, 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 or a druggie. It was just an event that took place in his life that may, that may have failed marriage or... Mm-hmm a failed job or finances out the roof and his family all split up which is what happened to him and uh, but he's proud of what he did and he's proud that he's he's, he's in, proud he's indigenous but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't uh, get uh, okay. too long
2: no no please not at all oh, oh,
1: I'm me. only checking because I
2: we have another guy coming later oh, so okay. that's the only reason I oh, checked no, I thinking, I'll leave now no no <laughs>
1: Please continue the story. Yeah, so like, but he, he was talking to me because uh, he's a very proud man. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's from Ontario. He's, he's Cree, and he's very proud of his heritage. But he doesn't he doesn't dwell on the history that he, he, mm-hmm. he presented to me. Like he, we had great conversations about it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I thought, what a wonderful like he has a wonderful outlook on life. Like mm-hmm. he just loves he loves bingo. That's what he loves yeah. going to bingo. Yeah. that's his thing. That's his that's his. Is bane of his existence. But he loves it, <laughs> but he's so happy doing it. Yeah, and uh, and I thought if, if all people, regardless of whatever they're Where indigenous they're or white, could just be happy in the life that they have. Mm. And like, but I find so much people, and as you're aware, like historical trauma is is a thing, mm-hmm. and we and we and we unfortunately uh, people will take their history and and impart it onto their children, and then mm. the children will take that history yeah. and they'll grow up with that history. And addictions are addictions, and, mm-hmm. and addictions are—it's—it's it's, um, not something that's just, uh, or it's, sorry, it's uh, nurtured as that whole nurture versus mm-hmm. nature type thing. If you see it all the time, you're eventually going to use it. It's yeah. like smokers—you know, my my mother and father smoked, therefore I'm going to probably know smoking anyway. Mm. Then my mother and father quit, well maybe I'm going to do the same thing because it's socially unacceptable anymore. Yeah. So much like uh, drinking. Um, when I was a young soldier, I drank. And I used to get drunk and I used to get in fights and do really mm-hmm. foolish things. And uh, at the time, I didn't think anything of it because it was like, pff, whatever. Yeah. I'm this young soldier. I'm supposed to fight. I'm supposed to get drunk. I'm supposed to me make mm-hmm. love to beautiful women all day long.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> see exotic yeah. places and. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. yeah,
1: see exotic places and meet all the exotic women, and then get liquored up and get into fights and stuff. Yeah. But uh, the reality is that um, you got to grow up sometime, and you got to yeah. make you know make adult decisions. And so I was very fortunate. I made adult decisions very early in my mm-hmm. life, and. Uh, and I was able to uh, not be caught up in that whole uh, drinking phase where people yeah. are still to this day, you know, hammered to, their, to the ninth yeah. degree or worse drugs. And, I, and I'm, I'm the first one to say I, you know, I, I was probably a weakened alcoholic when I was a young soldier. Mm. But and i tried when it was legalized because 30 years in the service, I never, I never yeah. once ever touched a drug. But as soon as they legalized it, I said, Well, I'm going to try that. Yeah. And I didn't like it. And I was like, oh, "Why do people be so excited with this?" I yeah. thought, "Oh man, this is the worst feeling in the world." I don't know why this is even happening. Yeah. But 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 you know, but apparently there's a great benefits to them, and uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and anybody who used to them, power to them, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just not my thing. Yeah. And like even to this day, I, I I drink, but I very seldom. It's just I don't mm-hmm. like I don't like the idea of being drunk because when you're drunk, you're, you don't have any controls, and you have no controls. Yeah. That's when shit usually happens. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, fair enough, yeah. right? And I think, like like you said, in terms of like Trudeau's apology, it always reminds me of like the apologetics of like religion, too, right? The apologists? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, we've heard the apology, now fucking do something. Absolutely. Like, yeah. just do something, well, whatever
1: think, it is. Well, it's funny you say that. The one thing that bothers me more than anything else for the indigenous people is that when you hear about a reserve that was set aside for mm-hmm. the, the population, or a certain band, and you find out that they have... Uh, no well water. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, well, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah. Like, yeah so we we, 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 we want you, you to live on your traditional lands. Okay, perfect. We're going to help you build a pr- traditional... Okay, perfect. And I'm pretty sure the, the traditional lands used to have a goddamn spring somewhere. Yeah. So you figure you would build it on a spring or a fresh spring fed water that, you mm-hmm. know, not you find out that the thing has been laced with lead or it's mm-hmm. got bad calcium deposits yeah. or something. So. You don't say, you know, we're looking at, we're going to look into this. No, you get your ass in gear. You have, they still have, God forbid you use the term Indian, they still have Indian Affairs. They have never mm-hmm. changed the, the, the name of it. And, and it's still called that. I've still, it still, still called still, that, still called Indian Affairs. I think in some ways, yeah. Yeah. God. Indian is technically a legal name.
2: Yeah. Because it's in our constitution. Exactly, yeah. That's what I, that's when I say, like, instead of apologizing, throw that fucking Indian act out and like
1: seriously get the fresh water like absolutely I, yeah get exactly yeah that's what my my attitude is is if if you promise it's like um uh because i served all over canada so i've, mm-hmm. I've been involved with uh, when i was up where i went up to goose bay labrador and uh, i had an opportunity to meet the innu people mm-hmm. uh that's inu and then i I've, I've been i met cree manitoba ojibwe uh mm-hmm. Mi'kma out of nova scotia you know here at blackfoot and uh, Cree, Métis—I've I mean, met them all over Canada. And mm-hmm. the one thing, because I'm the first one to say, I, I love the ability to go. I- I'd love to be able to Nova Scotia go catch a crab. I can't yeah. do that because I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not Indigenous. Mm-hmm. But but, uh, but I was born here in Canada. I was born in yeah. Nova Scotia. I'd love to be able to enjoy some of the things that they 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 should enjoy, mm-hmm. and and they have the right to enjoy. And um, when we give them, when we come up with these uh, uh, treaties and we come up with these rules mm-hmm. then we have to abide by these rules. We can't change them halfway through. We yeah. can't say, yeah, you know that's not working for us. That's too bad. You told them they were allowed to go hunt buffalo on the plains of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Well, then let them go hunt buffalo on plains. Yeah. But, but don't say to them, well, you can only hunt on Thursday between 1 and 6. Yeah. You know, it, it, these are the rules you made to allow mm-hmm. the people to enjoy the, the to, to reap the benefits of the land there's mm-hmm. benefits to breed. Yeah. But they still are not allowed to have, much like all, every Canadian in Canada, if I go out in my backyard and hit a stone and pull up, and there's, there's, oh my God, this is all gold. Well, those, those, that gold goes to the government. I don't get to mm-hmm. keep it for myself because all everything, you know, rights and, and, and minerals, are the government's. Yeah, Doesn't matter if it's on a reserve or not. Because yeah, I know they want it. They're taking. They they're taking it, it. exactly. Yeah. We're gonna move yeah. you to another location. You're gonna love this. We have a nice spring for you.
2: Yeah. So yeah, that, that's the problem though, right? Like it's all that kind of stuff that keeps the separation, that divide.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Like it just yeah. it
2: keeps adding to it, over and over again.
1: Yeah. But then, like, but then we have like, uh, so you. I'm not really good with youth. I, I think yep. I mentioned that at the beginning. So, kids yeah, totally. is not my thing. So, yeah. uh, I have. I don't like the N word. I find the N word is one of the most offensive words used. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's because it's not used in just the black population. It's yeah. used by anybody who's not white. Yeah. And it's inappropriate. It's an inappropriate word. And um, I don't understand why kids nowadays, white, Black Indigenous all have to act like gangsters. Mm. It's, it's like and they they watch they play too many friggin' uh, video games mm. and like uh, GTA Five man. Stop playing it. Yeah, GTA Five man, <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad for you. It'll yeah, your dude. brain. But like I don't <laughs> understand it. Like and and I, and I unfortunately the reality is that the, the whole nuclear family thing. Yeah, mm. families. If you don't have a strong family unit, it, yeah. it's going really impact your children. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm unfortunately I'm, I'm the result. I'm, my my I'm, well, thankfully I have a really wonderful family, but I, this, I I've been married before and divorced. And I have two children of my own, and my own son who's 30 now. Uh, he is a, a homeless kid living in the streets of uh, Victoria, mm-hmm. and his whole goal in life is to get drunk and to get high mm-hmm. with meth. And you know, he he is a product of a failed marriage possibly. But I raised him. When he, you know, we—he's been—he lived with me until he was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He never saw so my, none of my children have ever seen me have a drink. I never used drugs. I wasn't like a totalitarian. I didn't. I wasn't. Yeah. You know, the hard discipline. I just believe that you know you you clean up after yourself and you be respectful to all yeah. people. And uh, my son is you know so he was it's it's heartbreaking to see that happen when yeah. you, when you got something you love. Who's gone down that path, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. He has mm-hmm. to make that decision on his own one day. Yeah, <clears throat> and I have my own daughter. She's and she's wonderful. She struggles every day to make it all work, mm-hmm. but she's she's doing what she needs to do. And then I have stepchildren. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, it's uh, I if we didn't have a strong family, mm-hmm. uh, it could go bad. So when you when you yeah. see a family struggling with an addiction, mm-hmm. I feel for the kids. It's it's a hard thing to deal with because. Yeah. Children should never be faced with that, you know, trying to get mm-hmm. mom and dad out of bed in the morning when they're they're high yeah. or they're drunk. And unfortunately that happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's a it's a horrible life to live. Yeah, no doubt.
2: Well, Don, is there anything else you want to tell us, man? No, I think
1: I've pretty much solved all the world problems today, so we're good. Yeah,
2: we got <laughs> <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you coming in and, and sharing your stories. I no, wanted... not a problem.
1: I enjoyed it.
2: It's is fun. there is there a um... A link or something that we can attach to this episode, like for Homes for Heroes, uh, or or anything. Maybe there's mustard seed or. I,
1: I, I, no, I'm pretty sure the mustard seed will probably kill me because I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't sing enough phrases for no No, um, I I certainly will get the information for you. Sure, uh, that'd be great. I, I'm pretty sure I don't want the mustard seed to actually hear you because I think I swore a too many times. So.
2: Oh, I I was thinking more of like we could attach something that the people could contact you if they oh were, absolutely yeah like yeah. if they're veterans
1: looking for help. Um, or... Yeah, I mean, if the, yeah, I can give you my email address if yeah, you want. Yeah, sure. Can, it's uh, Donald McLeod. So that's D O N A L D M C L E O D at the seed.ca. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And by all means, if anybody has any questions, unless cool. it's like uh, somebody saying that I'm um, the father of their child. Um,
2: oh. I appreciate that because I worry about that every day. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm sure, I do. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, like, who's coming back today? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Thank you so much. No Tom. problem. Thanks,
1: guys. Appreciate you're it. it welcome. A lot of fun.
2: Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.